0: Moncrief on News Talk. Yes, I'm happy to say Joanna Fortune joins us for our first parenting slot of 2024. How are you?
1: Good, and happy new year to you and and everyone listening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Another year opening up of a million and one different questions. Adventures,
1: opportunities, all kinds of exciting things. And many
0: recurring themes (laughs) as well. You'll find these questions.
1: It is the season for it, (laughs) yeah, for sure.
0: Right. First question to you is this My son is 12, and he's really pushing our buttons at the moment. He's a middle child and was always temperamentally stereotypical. peacemaker, a good boy, rarely lost plot over everything. However, since the summer and his start in first year this September just gone, he has become an antichrist, to put it mildly. He refuses to do his chores, he's late to school regularly, he's unbelievably cheeky. We've tried removing his luxuries, no time at the PlayStation, not allowing him to go to friends' houses or, uh, or come here, no treats on Friday nights, etc. And we've tried talking to him in moments of calm but he shuts down every time and grunts. I'm fine. I just don't want to go to school, do the dishwasher, be nice to my brother. It's creating a horrible atmosphere, and my wife is really angry with him. Where did we go wrong? That could be a good name for a parenting book.
1: <laughs> where did we, where, where did we go wrong? Did you know it's not about going wrong here, though? I mean, there's an awful lot going on. First of all, he's made a huge transition huge. from primary school into secondary school. That yeah. often gets underestimated.
0: I was going to say, exactly it really does. That yeah, you. I really do. I, I, I trace everything that's in our teenagers lives to when they change schools that that it just
1: but it's a huge it's it's a huge jump and i think as well i'm noting that where we're at you know just come into january now so he's a full term into first year and he's still only 12 yeah so he's also young to be in secondary school and that may not have made any difference in primary school you know he may have been totally fine his age didn't make a difference But that doesn't mean it won't suddenly become very apparent Mm. that he's got peers around him that are emotionally, socially, whatever it is, also chronologically ahead of him. So I find when I was, you know, as you were reading this out and you've, you know, they talk about how he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that and he's cheeky and removing his luxuries. But I'm wondering as parents, you know, if you're listening, have you given thought to what is underpinning this behaviour? So often we forget that the... Things our kids do or say, no more than the things we do or say as adults, by the way, is always underpinned by physical and emotional states. So I look at this and say, okay, here is a kid who's made a huge developmental transition. He's still very young. Um, I, I wonder about, you know, when he's being rude or unkind or disinterested or whatever it is, I find myself wondering how he might be feeling about himself. And how much of that kind of lashing out or punishing others is an expression of I'm feeling low self-esteem, I'm feeling a lack of confidence, I'm feeling out of my depth. And that then brings me to think, you know, how has this transition been from primary to secondary school? You know, has he got friends? Did he go with kids from school? How have those relationships sustained Mm. or not? Has he made new friends? Has he gotten involved in the school community? you know, whatever, groups, activities, sports, whatever it might be in the school. I would also think it might be worth talking to his year head proactively, not, you know, going in and saying, come here, he's a nightmare at home, how is he for you? But going and going, how are you experiencing him or observing him in school? Do you find he's fitting in or might he be struggling? And that struggle mm-hmm. is underpinning some of the stuff you're, see- you're seeing at home. Now, all of that said, Tom, He's coming out of that middle childhood stage and coming into early adolescence, developmentally, things are going to change. He's not going to be this good boy, quote unquote, this peacemaker who doesn't lose the plot. Developmentally, he is moving into a new phase, which really involves this belief, at least on your teenager's part, it might not be your belief, that he has left the age of command, do as you're told, and he has entered an age of consent. Hmm. Compliance is now up to me. I'll decide. Yeah, I hear your invitation. Let (laughs) me raise you something. And that can come across as very argumentative, belligerent, especially if you're comparing it to a child who was previously the family peacemaker. Mm. This can feel like a huge shift. Where did this come from? But it also for a kid who has gone from being this so-called good boy peacemaker to this kid who's now eliciting a lot of anger in his parents and frustration – I'm also thinking he doesn't have a map to negotiate through these new thoughts, feelings, instincts and behaviours he's experiencing. Mm. So I think you're all a bit lost at the moment, but so is he. And don't leave him out of this. He's not doing this to you as a family. He's not seeking to be difficult. He's seeking to show you I'm having a difficulty. Now it's about getting to understand what is that difficulty? Where does it have its roots? So how are we going to do that? Yeah, I would think, you know, get some information about how it is for him in school. Respond with, you know, acceptance and empathy. I mean, there's a lot of consequencing of behaviour going on here. That's up to you as parents. You know, I'm not going to kind of say whether that's yay or nay. But I think, you know, in those down times or the peaceful times you talk about when you decide now I'm going to talk to you about your negative behaviour and it opens up, I'm fine. I just don't want to. Instead, talk to him about other things when he's in that good place. Use that to connect with him. Talk about what is working, what's exciting, what's going on. Do you want to get out for a walk with me? Let's go do something. Sure. You know, do something that promotes the connection because it's that connection that needs to strengthen. And be very aware when you're frustrated and angry with your teenager, if they look at you and see a version of themselves reflected back through you, that is, you're annoying, you're irritating, you're driving me crazy, they won't let you down. They will keep delivering God on that. So you've God. got to let him know, no matter how he's behaving, yeah. you make eye contact. They won't let ev- you down. Nope.
0: Holy moly.
1: But make sure there's eye contact. Yeah. Good morning. How are you? How yeah. was your day? I love you. Even if he rolls Positive. his eyes and grunts at you, you make sure that's there. Sure.
0: My word. Uh, a lot going on there. Um And uh, let us know your thoughts to 53106. This one on teenage sisters growing apart. Our two, eldest, our two oldest girls are only 18 months apart and have been like twins their whole lives. They did everything together, supported each other unconditionally and shared the same friend group. The younger one's 16 now has a boyfriend and we've noticed she's starting to pull away from her older sister which is causing some hurt. I tried to explain to the 17 year old that her sister is just experiencing something exciting and thrilling for the first time and it's natural that she places more of her attention there but that it's nothing personal. I also encouraged my 16-year-old to carve out some time for her sister, despite her new budding relationship with this very lovely boy. Very lovely boy, no less. That's a help. Yeah. Unfortunately, neither bit of advice seems to have landed and they're both coming to me annoyed with the other and they're fighting more than they ever did before. are worried as they as they gain some independence that beautiful friendship that they've had is going to disintegrate somewhat. Should I interfere to explain to them how precious it is or just leave them to sort it out and trust their bond won't fall apart completely?
1: I feel like the latter is where I would go. I mean, you've got to trust their connection and bond, but at the same time, these are two young women. They're 16, 17 years old. They're discovering independence developmentally each of them. Not Not only, you know, as sisters, but in general in the world, they're having experiences, you know, interacting, relating with people in their lives outside of each other. And that might mean for now deprioritizing each other so that they can do that. But one of the tasks of adolescence is striving for autonomy, independence, you know, that process of separating out. I am my own person apart from you. Your girls not only have to do that with you as parents, they have to do it with each other because mm. they've been so, you know, enmeshed nearly. You know, they've been behaving and treated like twins, but they're not. They're two independent individual people. And I, I'm, as you're reading that and you know, they do everything together, I'm then hearing about the 16 year old has a boyfriend and I'm thinking, well, that's something they're not doing together. That's something that is different. And your 17-year-old, while you can be very happy for your sister and also feel abandoned and a bit jealous that you're left out and it's not happening for you and you're bearing witness to what she's experiencing with this, as you say, very lovely boy. So, And again, I'm not saying, well, it's just because she's jealous, because actually two feelings can coexist. I can be happy for somebody and I can be envious or jealous or I can feel very pushed out. So there's a whole lot going on for each of them. And it just reads to me that your 16 year old is moving outward in her focus a little quicker or sooner than your 17 year old is. And just because the 17 year old is older, that doesn't make any difference in mm. that that's a really small age gap you know developmentally they're in the same window so as a parent i really don't think you know that you can direct them in this i think you have to be there to listen to support you know, gently reflect, gently, gently being the key word here, that they have been friends as well as sisters and you know that they'll sort this out and that this is about new experiences and, you know, with your 17-year-old saying, oh, she's always with him and she never has time for me, you can empathise and go, that's really hard. Yeah, You don't have to jump in and say, oh, in fairness to her or come across like you're defending her and when your 16-year-old is saying, well, I'm trying to spend time with my boyfriend, you can say, of course you are and it's very hard to give everybody the same amount of time. So you can And empathise and stay in the moment with each of them so that you're not going to inadvertently feed into the splitting that you're on one side or the other or that your agenda is what's important. I just want you to be best friends forever. They will find their way back to each other, but they're going through a phase of separation right now. So stand
0: by and be as positive around it as you possibly can. I think so.
1: It is quite normal. It doesn't mean it's not painful, though.
0: On to... um, the bugbearer of the 2020s and probably the biggest single issue, I think, in parenting today. Um, over the Christmas holidays, it was pointed out to me that my seven-year-old child wasn't engaging much with his cousins because he wouldn't get off his games console. I had been a little bit worried about the issue myself, but now others are noticing it. He is more antisocial. I'm concerned that too much screen time is affecting his development. I can see everyone sitting forward at the word screen time there. What mm. they, they mentioned screen time. Yes, we did. Um, He goes crazy if I try and limit the use. I've tried no screens after 5pm. It hasn't gone down well. Lots of tantrums and crying. Um, How can I go about limiting his use of screen time or is this just the way children are becoming with so much technology?
1: I mean, no, no, it's not just the way children are becoming, you know, because we give them the devices. OK, so we have a role in this and that's really important. You know, whatever gaming or device or screen he's engaging in, he was given that he's seven years old. So it's reading to me and bearing in mind, we always get a snippet of somebody's situation, but it is reading to me as though this seven year old is right now, is dictating the screen use parameters at home. And that is too much power and control to give a seven-year-old child and to think he's going to make good, sound decisions around that that are in his interests. He clearly likes gaming. He's engaged in that. Play patterns do tend to change as children are coming into that middle childhood stage. We do see things like gaming come in. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, get rid of it completely because it can be a part of his play world. But it should not be the only thing he's doing Mm. and I find myself you know listening here going well what else is he doing what else interests him is he on sports teams does he do drama or dance or music or what are his activities how does he play when he's not on his screens and his gaming stuff and he's interacting with other kids be it in school be it after school or in activities how is he does he enjoy that you know because I'm thinking as well you know it's easy for relatives to observe and give you know that unsolicited at parenting feedback on on other, each other's children, and over Christmas we see that. But Christmas is a pressure pot because I'm also inferring if he likes gaming, Santa may well have brought some new games that were really exciting, yeah. really new, and he was keen to master. So he may have been like, "This is going to get my soul focus and attention because I love it and I yeah. just got it and I'm excited." I'd be interested to know, is that a pattern for him in general or, you know, I don't want to play at my cousins because I'm totally engrossed in this. I think you need to drive up his interest. I would say, though, around the parameters with screen use, and I've said this before, but look, cybersafeireland.ie, they have some really great resources for parents that can be very helpful around structuring this. Sometimes we're trying to do this, you know, shut the gate after the horse is bolted, you know, the kids have the devices, they've been misusing them and we retrospectively go, "Mm, gosh, Mm -hmm. I wish I'd put something in place there. He's seven. It's not too late. I never think it's too late, by the way, but it's harder the longer it's been going on. But he's seven years old. I think a use of paradox can be helpful, you know, come into him really remorseful. And say, I'm so sorry, I messed up here. I gave you this gaming device and I didn't explain to you and our family how we use screens. That's on me. My mistake. I'm so sorry. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick a time and I'm going to sit down and talk you through how gaming or how screens are used. And be very aware that you lead by example in this, that, you know, you're not always on the screen as well and that you're going to make sure that there are windows of time he can play his games because you don't want to word this in a negative don't do don't do but there's also going to be at dinner time we all sit and talk to each other we have no screens at our dinner table there are other times we turn off our wi-fi or whatever way you want to do this at six o'clock so we can have dinner talk to each other play a game before bed that you're putting down positively worded statements but it's a family statement he's not going to high-five you and go what a great idea you just had about restricting my free access to my gaming device so when you say he goes crazy he has tantrums crying yeah, Sounds about right to me. You've got to be strong. And this is very hard if you're a conflict averse parent, like if it's very difficult for you to engage with that, empathize with them. And say it is really hard because I've changed rules. I've put new ways of doing things and you're upset and frustrated. I totally get it. But that doesn't mean I'm giving you back the device, by the way. So you have to hold gentle yet firm those boundaries. It is his job to test your boundaries. It's our job as parents to hold them in place. Now, they're flexible, adaptable. They bend without breaking. But you've got to be predictable and consistent about this. Otherwise, he gets the message that if I scream enough at you, you will give it to me.
0: My God, um, that's a seven year old. We could have similar questions for screen use for eight year olds, nine year olds, 10 year olds, 12 year olds. The, ben- the bonus all the way here to is 18. he's seven. Yeah.
1: He's not a teenager. He's not 11, 12 years old. No. You do have an opportunity to turn this around and put those boundaries in place now. I would make sure that you're driving up opportunities for things and don't put it on him, do something else you know, come up with things. Let's go to the park. Let's go for a walk. Yeah. Structure the time so that he doesn't have the access and opportunity to the gaming device either because you're occupying him with other family or parent-child activities.
0: I'm wondering how how parenting slots were filled up in the years before screens. Um,
1: oh, there's always something, though, there, isn't was, there, was, there? There's always something, yeah.
0: You could have an entire slot, you know that. <laughs> um, right, I hope that works. Um, sit him down and talk and, and see where it goes. Uh, this one... Um, a little bit sad this one Uh, my ex-partner and father to my children has just announced he is in a new relationship my girl who's 13 is fine but my 10 year old girl is devastated she wasn't this upset when we separated probably because she was very young at the time but now her mood has changed even the tone in her voice seems lower And she's not very excited about anything. It seems like depression, but I'm not sure if she's too young for this or if this is a normal reaction. Her older sister confided in me that the younger one always thought we would get back together, me and my ex-partner. I think this might be the main issue. How do I go about talking to her about the situation and adjusting to change?
1: Oh, the poor little thing. I mean, it certainly sounds like she is grieving the loss of the fantasy, that her parents would get back together. And in response to that, she needs empathy, but she needs space to cry, to mourn that loss. And it really is like a grieving because she's held this picture and story in mind that one day they're going to get back together. Um, It's important she gets to let those feelings out. So you can come to her and don't say your sister told me, but say, I've been thinking about how this is for you. And I think you you hoped or believed sure. that one day we would get back together. And now that your dad has a partner, that's really ended that for you. And sit with her, let her cry. Don't fix it. Don't sabotage it. Just let her let that out and talk about the things she wanted. Because she was so young, as you say, when you separated... I think it's worth revisiting that kind of conversation and letting her know, look, your dad and I realized that our feelings for each other had changed. We got along better as parents. If we weren't living in the same house, we ended our relationship. And while our feelings changed for each other, our feelings have never changed for you and your sister. We co-parent you. We will always be friends because we have you in common. I'm happy if your dad's happy. And sure. if he's in a relationship that makes him happy, then this is a good thing. Your dad and I are not getting back together. We were never getting back together. So you're gentle yet for him. And I realize I'm, you know, saying that and that may not be this parent's experience, you may not be as happy as I'm telling you to say sure. you are and things, but it's really about trying to hold that line. I do think, and it's not inferred one way or the other in this letter, but it's just coming to mind. So I'll say it that if you are co-parenting, you know, ideally you're doing that in a harmonious way. But if there's some acrimony or irritation, let's say, between co-parents, if one of you has a new relationship and you're going to introduce your children The right thing to do is to let your ex-partner know, the other parent of those children know, and not because they have a right to know or it's their business or information, but so they can support your children when they're not with you. So make sure that the other parent knows, hey, I'm in a relationship with somebody and I'm going to talk to the kids about it. This is their name. This is how long. I'm just letting you know so you can pick up. Whatever comes home to you when they leave me, sure. I think that's also really important.
0: Okay, so a big conversation there. Um, I did want to try and fit this one in because uh, it's it's I, I, I'm seeing this as a strange problem. Okay. Um, My 16-year-old is in fifth year and putting himself under a lot of pressure academically. He always did well in school and as a family we support him in extracurricular studies. But he now wants to take on an extra subject for his Leaving Cert next year because he's worried he won't get straight A's in the subjects he has chosen. While we want to support him in his studies, we also want to support him in having more balance in his life. And I think an extra subject will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. The last thing he needs is extra pressure or burnout how should I support him academically and also ensure he's getting enough rest and downtime? Oh,
1: it's a balancing act, isn't it? And I'll just, you know, conscious of time as well and give them a thorough answer. I think he may need to hear the information you're saying from a teacher as well. So it might be worth linking with his year head or guidance counsellor or whoever you identify in school would be his closest connection within the faculty. I think, uh, you know, look, let him know how proud you are of his commitment, because this is clearly a hardworking kid putting in the groundwork in fifth year It will stand to him. But remind him that research tells us the best way to embed learning so that we can recall it later on in an exam setting is to make sure that we take time for rest. And fun. That's not a break from learning. It's part of learning. And we forget that that playing, having a laugh, having downtime is an integral part of the learning process. And that you're worried an extra subject would take up the time and not allow him to do that embedding. There's a lot of mention in here about extracurricular studies on top of his studies. I'd like to know what his extracurricular fun things are in and out of school. And I would make that a focus and a priority if he if you're thinking, gosh, he really doesn't do much find it's something important. it's it's essential yeah it really is essential and i'm not being twee about it the best way to embed learning is that play fun and rest are parts of it we need waves of activity for our brains to process and and to really integrate that learning so kids who are working this hard this early in the leaving sir curriculum as parents we need to make sure we're chiselling out very time. careful
0: around it. In um, fifth year as well I'd, yeah. be, I'd be more One of concerned. the hardest
1: years in school I would say actually yes. to be honest it's the demands curriculum wise are very high in fifth year. It's
0: a big step up.
1: It really it's is. It really check, is. Yeah.
0: For a lot of them yeah. Uh, I have to say I'm very impressed by his simply wanting to do extra subjects and being worried about Not getting enough straight A's. But
1: you know what's interesting? He wants to get straight A's in the subjects he's chosen, but I'm wondering why? Is that just a sense of personal achievement or is this a perfectionistic young person where if I don't get 100% in everything, then I fail? But he might get away with one subject not being an A and yeah. that. So I think that's where you bring in the teacher, a member of faculty who can sit down and say, look, what are we aiming and working towards? This is what you're on track sure. for. We can support you. He needs pacing. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it's very, very hard. It will stand to him putting this work in, but not if it burns him out. Sure.
0: Very good. Uh, Joanna, thank you very much indeed. Lovely seeing you and uh, happy 2024. <laughs>